Coming up this week on the Course of Life podcast, our front nine includes my first big winner of 2024. We break it all down and some more live bombshell rumors and an upcoming first in golf for myself as well too. Plus this week's guest is another great twofer. We've got actor Bradford Wilson from the PGA show joining us and also Anna Balotz as well too, who is playing on the ladies European tour this season and some interesting golf travel stories there. Uh, we're getting into a couple of tuned ins from the world of pop culture as well. And when we always end with food, it's a New England classic landing in Texas. All of it brought to you by our friends at Desert Fox Golf. And Mike, proud to pr- pronounce, I've got another testimonial from the Desert Fox product line. We're down here in Florida. I'm enjoying the beach. We had a nice day out on the beach. And, and what better to use when you're out on the beach and you need to keep a drink cool than the swing aid tumbler it's the real deal for golfers out there but it's just the real deal for life you know when you you're on the go and you need to keep a drink cool and you need to have it looking a little styling and profiling you go with the swing aid tumbler it's just one part of the amazing product line from our friends at desert fox golf you know they make the phone caddy the soon-to-be dj 10 speaker and a whole lot more to make the golf and life experience better for you so again check out the swing aid tumbler they have a variety of colors it's a really funny contextual uh, accessory that you can show off your friends on the golf course on the beach and pretty much wherever you go again check out our friends at desertfoxgolf.com interwebs and welcome to course of life we are proud to be presented by our friends at desert fox golf i'm michael he's alex and alex let's uh, tee off our front nine down in mexico at the mexico open presented by vidanta uh and uh everyone was kind of waiting to see if tony finau would get back into form and no one was paying attention to this guy out there called jake knapp except for you let's give you props on finally getting your first winner of 2024 at 46 yes, to 1 on the betting odds now the real question i have for you is not about jake knapp but it's about you alex because didn't we at this time last year didn't you already have like four winners yeah i know i'm, I'm far not reaching very much not reaching my pace of 2023 in the winter department but i'm gl- glad we got the first one on the board and it, it came in a very uncharacteristic way Pro- probably maybe a golfer that you'd never seen even come across your radar until a week ago by the name of jake knapp quite literally the whole world of golf pun very much intended was sleeping on jake knapp except for me i had him at 46 to 1 to start the week and really the main trigger was his nice showing at farmers he had a tie for third at tory pines he was on my radar then made the cut and played decently at the waste management and he got his next opportunity here and frankly like it was one of those weeks where you and i took a look at the field going into it and we just weren't overly impressed with the guys at the top of the list so i figured you know what? Let's put put a dollar on a guy who's trending and who's had a couple good finishes and is due to break through. And we found a new breakthrough star in, in Jake Knapp with his win this past weekend. Who also looks like uh, our guy, the CEO of golf, Remick. If Remick had a mustache, he does. I know, and and this was picking up a little tra- traction on Remick's feed as well too. I appreciated the head-to-head comparisons. I don't know, just that soft mullet in the back, similar, you know, ball cap style look, facial structure, not too far off. So maybe a, a, a Remick and Jake Knapp collab is in the future. I hear he's local to the Scottsdale area, so all the more easier for them to link up. But uh, very interesting to see, just a a real happy go lucky player he's got jacked arms mike the guy's absolutely ripped he hits the ball a mile he's got a smile on his face the whole way um i i found it funny that his caddy actually preferred to wear a hood uh in the mexico heat instead of put sunscreen on apparently he's just averse to sunscreen altogether so there's all sorts of funny little quirky things to love about jake knapp but i, I think we've found our next character on the pga tour and, and we're going to have him around for at least the next few years now also, shout out to past guest Dylan Wu, who finished tied for 24th, so a yeah. top 25 finish for him. Uh, see if he can get some form going here and uh, maybe maybe get a W. That'd be second, nice. Uh, second Mexico Open in a row for him, finishing in the top 25. I think he was like 14th or 15th last year. So definitely mm. a course he likes and looking forward to seeing more of him in the leaderboard as well. Good shout out. 
Over on the LPGA Tour, they were at the uh, Honda LPGA Thailand. It's the Asia and, swing, yep. Yeah, it is. So they're going to be over there for, what, the next month or so? Yeah, they're um, doing Thailand, Singapore. I think they got China in the works there before they head back over to the mainland here. Yep. Uh, but Patty T takes the W. Yep, one of my favorite names to pronounce in women's golf, Patty Tavitanikit. Just, just crushing that every time I pronounce it. Love seeing Patty T hit the winner's circle. A, a, a female golfer, very candid about her struggles. We've all been there, right? When your game's down in the pits for a year or two, and you can't find it, and you don't know if you're ever going to find it again. Well, she absolutely has in a big way uh, off of that major victory a few years ago that she notched. Uh, good to see her rebound in a big way. And yeah, she's officially one of the hottest players in women's golf. Uh, so good to see her get that form back. Yeah, and only the second Thai woman to win the Honda LPGA Thailand. And that's a big deal over there. You know what that women's golf audience is like in the Asian countries. Whatever you think it is in the States, it's probably about 5X or 10X that uh, over there. So uh, really impressive win for her. And she's cool. She's got that relaxed personality. She's a sneaky long off the tee, one of the longer players in women's golf. Definitely a personality that we can get behind for sure. Live Golf uh, is uh, poised to make another big splash, maybe we could say, in the golf world. I don't know if we really want to call it a big splash, but Anthony Kim, we all remember him. He (laughs) was a four-time, three-time, sorry, three-time PGA Tour winner, also part of a, a Ryder Cup team, and then just vanished. 12 years ago, he burst out on the scene. We all thought he was the next Tucker Woods, and then he was gone. And now the rumor is at 38, he's looking to come back as a wild card for Live Golf at Live Jetta because, you know, that's the place to come back into golf is somewhere where no one's going to come and watch you. And yeah, it's Saudi Arabia at 3 a.m. on YouTube. That's that's where you make your return. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he'll be one of, uh, he'll be, he'll be sitting out there doing his own thing, not part of a team looking to play. Now, what is, we think this means for that supposed $10 million insurance policy that made him get out of golf all those years ago? Seriously, that's like one of the weird, unfounded facts and stories that we're still digging out from like over a decade ago, you mentioned, is that Anthony Kim just mysteriously vanished off the face of the earth and out of the pop culture lexicon for sports fans. Like my crappy analogy is he's kind of like the Richard Simmons of the golf world. Like he just vanished Mm. off the face of the earth and we, we got nothing from him forever. And now we're starting to hear murmurs that he's back playing in money games and getting his game back in shape. So apparently this return is happening in Saudi Arabia of all places at the live event. Um, just, you know, the fascinations through the roof, just cause we, we haven't seen this guy swing a club. Mm-hmm. And the last time we did, we remember him like being on top of the world. Oddly. He's one of those guys where I just don't ever remember the bad moments of him. I just remember this gigantic group of highlights, like in the late two thousands and early 2010s. Uh, so just no clue what we're actually going to see, but it, my curiosity is peaked. Unfortunately, Mike, the 3am start on YouTube for Friday morning. I, I don't know if that's quite going to be appointment television for me on, vacation, but I I look forward to seeing the highlights of Anthony Kim's return to professional golf. Look, if you're on vacation, there's no reason why you can't be up at 3.30 in the morning to watch golf in in Jeddah. Are you you challenging me to party (laughs) that hard just to see him tee off and live golf in Saudi Arabia? Yeah, I mean... I mean, uh, if you want to take it that way, you can. (laughs) (laughs) Or just get up real early, you know, along with my mom and stepdad who are up at like 3 or 4 a.m. every day anyway, because that's how they live their life. Uh, So yeah, regardless, it'll be interesting to see what sort of performance we get from Kim this week on the Live Tour. And the other Live no as well too just as as if the rumors couldn't get crazy enough there's now a rory rumor speculation flying around that he's going to get some ungodly number close to a billion dollars now i don't know if this is in conjunction with the idea that the agreement's going to happen he'll finally sign on the dotted line for live once pga tour and live find a fully work things out it's all very mysterious right now but we're we're just reporting on the rumors as we hear them you know i think uh, Rory playing in live golf would make me walk away from the game. If, if if under the pretense that there's no agreement between the PGA Tour and the Live to fully merge their tours oh, in the yeah, near future, definitely. yeah, then it's and, done. And I'm it, like it just would be, done with the game. It would be unarguably 
the biggest 180 in golf. I mean, like we had Pat Perez do a 180. We had John Rahm do about a 90 degree shift in his live stance. The way Rory went to bat and shilled for the PGA Tour for years, for them him to then flip and there be no negotiation or agreement in sight between the tours, that would be truly a stunner. Uh, so we'll be watching out for that I in would- the headlines next week. I would lose all faith in humanity if Rory did that. I'll just say that right now. This freaking game, like we we talk about it so casually now, but this game, this per game from a professional scale, so freaking fractured right now. It's insane. Crazy. Uh, so yeah, week yeah. to week, we we were just following the headlines and and watching the whirlwind go around here. But hey, if you want a little escape from everything going on in the world, yes. you can check out our yeah. YouTube channel. Uh, we got a video up there of you, Alex, testing out putt view. This is where you can see lines being projected on your putting surface of the slope and where you should putt the ball to get into the cup uh, and all this sort of stuff, which is just crazy. We also have a reel up on our Instagram as well, but you can see it on our YouTube shorts of Johnny Damon. That's right. Yes. (laughs) And that was a great run in. We're just in between things on the PGA show floor. And as soon as I spotted Johnny Damon, I was like, well, we got to talk to Johnny Damon. I mean, the the genesis of our entire relationship, the content and the podcast that we do was based off you being a Yankees fan and me being a Red Sox fan. Johnny Damon's one of those rare birds who has not only won a world championship with the Red Sox, but also with the Yankees. So we ran into him. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and on YouTube, Course Life Podcast and COL Podcast on IG, and check out that interaction. Uh, Kind of a nice full circle moment for us in our Course Life contact to have a a champion from, from both of our franchises on the show. The PGA Tour now heads to uh the old school Honda at PGA yeah. National. Correct. It's not called that anymore. It's now the Cognizant Classic. And uh the big storyline you all really need to worry about here is that uh Charlie Woods will not be playing. Oh, I thought he was just going to automatically get shuffled into the field because his father is Tiger Woods. That, that didn't I mean, work he out. probably could have gotten that opportunity, but decided <laughs> to do the pre-queue route instead. And he put up a 12 on one hole, so there's no way he's getting in. You need to shoot 12 for the entire 18 holes in order to make it in a pre-queue. <laughs> right, yes, I know. It's very competitive out there, and Charlie Woods learned that firsthand at the age of 15. We were all wondering when this dabbling was going to happen with, with Tiger and Charlie Woods. Like, when is he going to make an overture to try and play in a professional event well he dipped his toe in the water I, I kind of do appreciate that charlie and tiger kind of went the normal route he went the route that any ordinary joe would go to try and get into a pga tour field you know the dad could have just pulled the strings if he really wanted to get him into a pga tour field but charlie went the old school route he went the pre-queue last thursday to try and play in the monday queue to have a shot to be in the field and let's just say you know he was clearly overmatched so lesson learned for charlie and tiger he's still got a long way to go Everybody hold your horses on the Charlie Woods hype. I know we love drumming up the machine here on the show. and We're victims to it, too. But the kid's got a long way to go. And and this 86 in the pre-qualifier was definitely the first proof of that. And uh, also worth pointing out, the Cognizant Classic uh, is going to include Rory McIlroy. So do we think McIlroy's gonna play this and then jump to live is that what he's doing here oh geez wow <laughs> imagine wrapping up at pga national no, no emphasis on pga national and then and then, and then yeah. jumping ship to live would be the ultimate atom bomb on these live bombshell rumors that we've been combing through in recent months john rom gone first uh many others to follow and could it be rory next an absolute Crazy thought. So that, that's a little bit of a wrap on professional golf right there. Uh, quick golf headline right here. I want, I want everyone tuned in on social this week and later this week because I'm doing something that I have not done. And I'm, I'm not sure you ever have in your life. Mike, have you ever played a night round of golf under the lights before? Uh, <clears throat> no, I've done night mini golf before. Does that count? Yeah, I'll give it to you. I'll give the half a point for you. But this is an executive course here in Naples, Florida, that I'm going to play a full 18 hole round of golf under the lights. I got a 640 p.m. tea time 
for 18 holes under the lights this week. It'll be a first uh, experience for me. So be sure to follow us on social. I'm at Course of Life Alex on Instagram and COL Podcast again. We'll be sharing the round there. Uh, so interested to see, see what that experience is like while I'm uh, down here in Florida for the week. Let's do a little tuned in as well. Yes. Because uh, I, I think there's two things we're talking about. But first, let's talk about the big thing that happened earlier in the week, and that was Kanye's new album. Yeah, I appreciate you taking note of this. This is one of those things where, you know, I'm always checking in on who brings new music. And Kanye is one of the, he's, he's still on the short list of artists where if he's bringing new music to the forefront, I will stop and give it a listen. No, no matter what you think about him as a person or where his beliefs lie or the craziness that's gone on in his personal life in recent years, he is still one of those kind of stop what you're doing artists. And I am generally curious to see what his new product was like. I listened to a couple of the songs that he made with Ty Dolla Sign. I wasn't kind of overly impressed, but what, what was your feedback to the whole hysteria regarding his most recent release here? I mean, I'm not a big Kanye fan. I don't yeah. tune into him. I don't know his his discography that well. We know that he is a uh, unique, outspoken individual, shall we say? Yep. And, and and I'll get let's give him credit musically a virtuoso producer kind of transformed hip, modern day hip hop yeah, as it is yeah. with a lot of his production but but things have changed a lot musically for him in addition to his his person in recent years as well yeah and uh, I was listening to one piece about him and and they were asking you know does Kanye need to do a whole persona reboot he was dropped by his label he was dropped by Adidas yeah. he was dropped by Gap that was supposed to be a big partnership mm, for him yeah. as well um, does he need this and and the answer that I heard in this from the reporter was no because he dropped his own apparel line and sold millions of dollars with sold out within like 24 hours and his record is already dropped and is doing great as well so the he, he's kind of above the fray, so to speak. It's just that money talks thing where it's like, it, yeah. no matter like what might be going on, like with what you see in him and the headlines, like he's over in his whole, he's over in this whole other lane that most people aren't even seeing doing something entrepreneurial that just puts him in a whole nother level. Like you said, a different tax bracket. So shit, money makes the world go around, right? I feel like Kanye is experiencing that even, even kind of being semi canceled in the public light right now, he's still kind of making it happen in his own way. So credit there to him. Uh, I also want to talk about as we approach the Oscars, uh, that I did watch a Oscar nominee for best picture this oh, weekend. Okay. That is All right. Yeah. Which one'd you watch? Yeah. Uh, watch the holdovers. This is directed by Alexander Payne. Big, big news around it because it was Alexander Payne and Paul Giamatti's first movie since Sideways, some like 20 years mm, ago or something like that. That's a classic. The only thing I really remember from Sideways is that I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot. Yes, and, I and I, well, my memory is the golf scene, the, the classic scene where they are hit into on the golf course. Well, well maybe one of, maybe one of the better golf scenes in cinematic history i would contend actually i'm curious mm. if anyone else has any, any other favorites out there but that's one of my favorites as well that always resonates me when i think of sideways so so a little bit of a a, a crew cast and crew reunion here for for the holdovers i see yeah and uh, of course for us this has some uh, local connections maybe this was about mm. uh set at a prep school in new england they visit boston they actually the um the kid in this dominic sessa is a unknown actor from uh, farming. I think it was Farmingham or Framingham, uh, yeah, Framingham uh, in Massachusetts. So an area of the country that we know very very well, um, being filmed in that in that kind of area, just outside of Boston. So yeah, and then the super local reference that I know about is my stepdad's favorite Italian restaurant is called the Chateau in Waltham, Mass. And apparently, there's a brief yes, scene filmed is. outside the restaurant. Mm -hmm. So a lot of local yep. knowledge for the Metro West Boston peeps out there who are interested. If nothing else, it's it, it's an Oscar nominated flick, and also there's a ton of uh, little Boston shots in there as well too. So. Also, some Oscar news I need to share that I was literally just sent as we're recording by my wife. Oh, nice. And that is that uh, we can all be very excited to know that Ryan Gosling yes. will be performing yes. I'm Just Ken at the Oscars. I now have a reason to watch the Oscars on Sunday, March 10th. We were just shamelessly just blaring that 
on the beach this afternoon before I record with you. Can you feel the energy? I mean, it just hits harder every single time I play it. Great news to hear. And thank you for breaking that on the pod. That That is a yes. relief. I'm glad to hear. All right, let's get to the turn and this week's first guest. If uh, you're out there watching golf content at all, you've probably seen Bradford Wilson's face because he's just about on every commercial out there with his acting work. Yeah, it really is insane. Like if you if you watch like just a standard like three hour window on Golf Channel or NBC or CBS, I would say the over under is you're going to see Bradford Wilson's face probably over under two and a half times. Like it's that big of a guarantee works as works his acting career very nicely in the, in the commercial circuit, but he also does a really awesome job with the group golf therapy podcast, which is one of my favorites out there in the space. He does some awesome projects in Southern California as well. And he shares all of it with us from the PGA shore, really uh, PGA show floor, really great conversation coming with Bradford Wilson here. All right, next up, we're here on the PGA show floor in Orlando with a special guest. I met him once a couple years back. It's great to reconnect. Uh, actor, host of Group Golf Therapy. They're on 100 sessions. Congrats to Bradford Wilson. Thanks for hopping on the Course of Life. Man, Alex, thank you for having me. Michael, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, 100 episodes. That's crazy to, to like hear back, too. Yeah, so explain um, the, the concept of the podcast, how the three of you came together, and what you tackle on every episode. Uh, group Golf Therapy is a mental health podcast disguised as a golf podcast we like to say that golf is just the excuse for men to go on a walk and have a conversation with one another and if golf is 90 percent mental then we've got a lot to talk about yeah so every session on the show is uh unpacking the intersection of mental health and golf we want to find out what your relationship is to the game what it gives you what you take away from the game uh your sensory experience core memories like we're really trying to yeah. get into your brain and not so much you know what's in your hands or what's the dopest course you've ever played or you know what's your handicap like we could give a shit about that we want to know how you the human feel about the game of golf i appreciate that because my perspective has changed a lot you know i grew up in a sports conscious climate where it was my sport i was shooting for score playing tournaments, trying to climb rankings and do things like that. But then as my adult life came out along and I realized I wasn't going to be anywhere near doing that for a living, it's become more of a therapy session and outlet and a spot yeah. for me to unwind, decompress, get away from adult life struggles. So yeah, yeah. how has it changed for you over the years? Like, like it has for me. Uh, I mean, I, I, similarly, I, I don't think I was as competitive. You know, I, I was blessed with a spot on my college golf team. You know, I walked on and Love I was, that. I was the, I was the personality hire, okay. you know, like I was a guy. The minister that kept, of culture. From team. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was a dude that kept it light. I kept everybody laughing. I kept everybody smiling. I kept everybody's spirits up. You know, when, when, uh, you know, our, our first five were going into battle, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, I got really good experience from that. Um, I won't take it, take away from that, but, uh, being in a competitive nature like that uh, wasn't, it didn't suit my skill set. You know, like I, I'm a field player. I'm a, I play for vibes. I like to make sure everyone around me is having a good time. Absolutely, yeah. So in the heat of competition, I, I just don't think that was the, the best environment for me. And the sooner I owned that, the better my golf experience became. And that wasn't until years after I graduated that I realized that. So now my relationship with golf is, is, I mean, just as fun as I make it, just as fun as I want it to be. And it's my escape, it's my hobby, it's my passion, and it also happens to be my career. Well put. I want to touch on a couple of content experiences that you had showcasing what you helped do to not necessarily grow the game. I like the way you say that we're pushing the game in what, a new direction forward. How do you like to phrase that yourself? Um, I think we're just changing the mindset of what golf, how, how golf is perceived. Yeah. So growth for growth's sake, I don't think is great. You know, they, you can grow vertically, you know, and, and, come out with new products or build new golf yep. courses or come out with new, you yeah, know, t-shirts. Bigger, faster, stronger, everything. Yeah. yeah. Or we can look around us to the left and to the right and grow horizontally. Like 
there are people our age who have never touched a golf club before. Yeah. So growth doesn't necessarily mean we've got to build something and sell it to someone. I can hand someone used down used clubs and grow the game that way. So I think uh, what I like to find myself a part of is just changing the narrative and changing the, the perception of golf. Tell me a little bit about Southern California and specifically LAGC. Explain that golf community and, and how you work with them to, to, to push the game that, in that direction. You yeah, Southern California is special. Uh, I think the types of golfers that you'll see there uh, are, are very different from what you'll see. Shit, we're in Orlando, Florida. Yeah, we've had know. some of that SCGA crew on before, and like Mike Mags and some different golfers in the area, instructors. They're definitely a special breed. They really yeah. take the game seriously. Yeah, <laughs> everyone is, is super passionate about the game, but it, it doesn't define them. Um, I think they approach golf in a different way, given that, you know, we get damn near 360 days of sunshine that helps as Tough well. Life, yeah. yeah. Uh, in Southern California, you're, you're more likely to see someone playing in like a Supreme box logo t-shirt, uh, you know, cargo pants and vans. Well, we'll get to the fits. Don't worry. Yeah, then, then you are, uh, you know, uh, uh, traditional golf uniform. Um, I also think just like the, the approach, the attitude, uh, the spirit that, it, that golf has played in Southern California um, it resonated with me instantly. I, I knew that this was a place I wanted to be and be a part of and, and help grow this community because yeah. it was super special to me. So if I felt that way, like, how can I help tell people about this place? Like, it feels like I'm in Narnia, you know? Like, yeah, no, I appreciate it. You're like the mini mayor around there, too. I appreciate <laughs> what, you, what you showcase in the area. And uh, one other thing I wanted to showcase in the Los Angeles area as well, too, is you've reached out to some different golf communities that maybe people wouldn't think you'd be reaching out to. And you found yourself caught up at a quinceanera celebration for yes. the Latina golfers in the area. Tell me a little bit about what that experience was like, kind of stepping out of your uh, element there for a minute. Shout out to Azucena. Uh, I think she's here, actually. So if I see okay, her, cool. I'll, I'll make sure to yeah. mention we're having this conversation. <laughs> Uh, Latina Golfers Association is a member group of the SCGA, the Southern California Golf Association. Um, and I have a show called Bradford Plays yep. where I go and I visit different uh, clubs and groups in the SCGA. And it so happened that when I reached out to Azucena and her group, they were celebrating 15 years. And in the Latin communities, 15 years, that's significant in a woman's life. Big that's deal. when be, that's when a girl <laughs> yeah. becomes a woman. Latina Golfers Association is a female driven, female based organization. So it was a, it was like their Super Bowl. So I just so happened to be awesome. there with the camera crew on this day and got to capture that. And they, they really brought me in, uh, made me feel like like uh, like I was having my own quince. Very cool. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, Pushing the really game sweet. in all sorts of directions here with Bradford Wilson at the PGA show. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about uh, US Open at LACC. Um, that was a really cool, interesting spectator experience. I know you had the opportunity to get out to that venue specifically. Um, what was that like kind of having a little bit of a home game for a major championship last summer for you? Man, let me tell you, it was nice having a home game. It was really nice because uh, similar to this, like I've said this before, like PGA show so far has felt like a college reunion. Yeah. And it kind of felt like that for a major championship, but it was happening in LA, which was dope. LACC was a place I'd never been before. Yeah, I've driven past it. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, I, they do that on purpose, but, <laughs> uh, you know, it was, it was just nice, um, to see friends and acquaintances from a, across the industry in, one space all there for a common goals like to enjoy this major championship um the fan experience at lacc i will say was different than any other uh tournament i've been to yeah how so lacc is massive so it really really takes you a while to get from point a to point b yep. and um, the spectator spots were it, frankly difficult for you to, to see uh t shots and approach shots were a little bit difficult because it was super hilly and uh it's a unique track yeah. yeah spectators didn't have access to you know the 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 rough or the you know visuals of the fairway like we we're used to seeing at other tournaments other smaller tournaments but then again, every other tournament is at the U.S. Open and every other tournament isn't, LAC, isn't at LACC. Yeah. So I just think it was unique. I think everybody took something away from that that was like, okay, they made a statement with this one. 
this is <laughs> this is different. <laughs> Very cool. Well put. So you you know his voice from group golf therapy, but you probably know his face because you've definitely seen commercials that Bradford Wilson has shot in the past. I know you've done a lot of different golf branded commercials as well, too. Played some different golf characters within those roles. But take everyone a little bit behind the scenes of what those commercial shoots are like. This is a golf audience that's watching the full broadcast and see those commercials over and over again every yeah, week. Uh, I'm so, so take sorry. People behind the scene. Yeah, but they can see your face every week. They just don't know it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so I, I think what, what's out right now, uh, there's a century commercial in which I do not have a beard. So uh, I know this is an audio yep. medium. You can't see my beard, but no, I, we'll do, post the video, yeah. Yeah, I do have one. Um, uh, there's one with wind grips. There's one with uh, the actually the first SIM and the second SIM driver, uh, Cleveland RTX wedges. Um, yeah, I'm so sorry. There's <laughs> there's a lot, but uh, the commercial stuff is fun. You know, I've, I've been uh, taking classes and training as an actor since 2017. Yeah. Um, so it's something I still very much consider a part of what I do. Um, and I have a great team, uh, management agency that are behind me that that seek that stuff out for and they're me. getting you out properly. Shout yeah. out your agency, man. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Taylor. I love you so much, Taylor and Evolve <laughs> and Haley and Lauren. I love y'all. They're getting it done. Um, yeah, the experience is great because they, they take really good care of me. They look out for me. They know what I want to do uh, commercial wise. And when I'm on set, producers and directors really trust me. They're like, you're you are the golfer here. We are the artists. Can you do this? I'll say, no, that's not safe. No, he would never stand like that. No, he would never bend down like that. Yeah. And they kind of give me, you know, the the barriers and the sandbox to let me play. Like so. That. Any, any character work or any like comedic quips that are thrown in there, I've been given the the leeway to do and it's I'm super appreciative for that nice like, we'll look forward to seeing you on more uh, commercials for sure and appreciate what you do with the different characters and, and showcase the game uh, through ads and your content you're doing a little bit of everything and I want to touch on the fashion as well too tell me a little bit about what you're rocking and, and Adidas in 2024 as we sit here at the PGA show right now yeah, right now I'm wearing um, a women's knit sweater this is probably my favorite piece that I've that I've gotten since I've been with Adidas. Yeah, it's I've a stock piece. I like the multicolors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is uh this is one of my favorites. Um Adidas have been so good to me. We're going on year two with this partnership. Yeah. Um they're they're trusting me with, you know, wearing the brand and promoting the, the exciting no, that's new big things that they're coming man. out. It's yeah. an iconic name. It's been in all of our lives forever. Seriously, so. growing up as a soccer player, you I know, that's I was, everything. it was that was the only brand to yeah. me. I was like not, ugh, can't say it you know I'm like I don't even I don't even recognize other brands Adidas was like top of mind for me as a as a young athlete like they were everything to me so for it to come full circle like this um, it's mind blowing um, I also like and not just because they pay me to say it I really do believe that they're making some of the best golf apparel out there they have a full range of anything that you could want and for me playing in Southern California who loves you know the t-shirt the shorts the low top sneaker you know spikeless vibe I mean my closet is full mm. I have no I have no shortage no of shortage. options you can get creative with the fits seriously different day different fit yeah <laughs> okay. what's what's interesting is you know before the if anything official with Adidas happened you know folks were reaching out to me like yo I love your style like what are you wearing and you know, one of the three pieces I was wearing happened to be Adidas and it just like kind of trickled into this awesome, me getting on their radar. Eventually they sent me a pair of shoes and they were like, hey, can you create some content with this? So I did and they loved it. And that's that's how that whole thing started. And that, we're man. going on year two. Very cool. Bradford Wilson, let's get to some quick shot questions before we wrap up. Uh, best fitted uh, player, one LPGA tour, one PGA tour. Who are you liking fashion wise right now? Ooh. Uh, I have to go with Charlie Hull on the women's nice. side. Just moved to Malbon. Just moved to Malbon. Big news, yeah. I'm actually, I'm on the Malbon train. Yeah, with Jason Day as with well, Jason too. With Jason Day as well. I'm on the Malbon train. I think, you know, the first appearance that he made in Hawaii, everybody was caught off guard. You know, what are these pants? What are this, you know, what are the swirls on his pants? Good grief, what's he doing? Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> did you not watch golf in the 90s? Yeah. Like, did you not watch golf in the early 2000s? Like, 
those pants are just as baggy as anything we're used to, yeah. you know, th- those of us around a certain age. But um, I think Malbon, having been around that brand for long enough and knowing some of the people over there, they have so many SKUs. They're, they're just getting started. And on the women's side, I'm excited to see what they do. Okay. Um, like Charlie, thousand percent, like hands down, she's my fashionista on the lady side. Like on the guy side, um, I have, to, I love the simplicity of Adam Scott's fits. Mm, classic. It's just classic. Yeah. He's so damn handsome. Yeah, no, he's, I, gosh. Still, you know, too. Still so damn handsome. He's Even, been my cousin's crush for like 20 years in the golf world. <laughs> it's like, might, oh, but it's Adam Scott playing. Wow. It's like still, he still right. carries that weight. He still does. He might, <laughs> he's my crush too. Damn. <laughs> um, even with the, with the, you know, shades of beige, I'll still take it. Yeah. Right. Um, you mentioned favorite golf smells on your Instagram before yes. we connected. Uh, mine's a sleeper because I got the uh, love for the gas pump gas smell. Yes. So the offshoot of that is you go to an old school course. It's got the gas cart. Gas cart. And you Come get a little, little gas pump in the morning when yes. you first give it a start. That's my golf smell. What's your favorite lately? Oh, my God. That's such a good one. Um, la- last what was it? summer, U.S. Adaptive Open which was at Pinehurst, number six. Shout out to our friend Jesse Florkowski, who was in that as well, too. Come nice. on, Jesse. Let's go. We'll be back this year. We'll see you in Kansas. Nice. Um, so while we were there that week, we had some time to get out and play, me and the GGT guys, and we went to play Tobacco Road. Freakiest golf course I've ever played. Yeah, I've heard about Some it. of the most fun of golf I've ever played, and they had gas carts. Mm. So that just put the – that was the cherry on top. That it was is like, right. It was, it was fun. It was, the vibe was there. The weather was perfect. It was just before sunset and they had gas carts. So all those, those Southern smells, the pines, the, the red clay, the everything just had this, I don't, I don't know what to call this cloud of, of, no, that's scents, authentic. You know, I can feel it. Yeah. But it I gotta just, go smell it for myself now. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. Love it. Um, if I had to say my favorite, it's the, if you're wearing sunscreen or if you're wearing any sort of like skin product yep. and you know, you're maybe six, seven holes in the beads of sweat start coming down and you get this like cloud of, of, smell yep. right under the brim of your mix. hat mm, okay. and it just sits there and it's it's kind of moist and it's heavy and it just sits there you have to be stationary to really smell it you can't be walking you have to be standing on a tea box and the smell just kind of comes down from the brim of your hat that is my favorite golf Man, smell. Man, just meet me in Austin, Texas, anytime between May and September, any day, <laughs> and you'll get that smell for five hours from yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, man, that's Love it. it. Yeah. Um, final question, 19th hole question, when you get in the clubhouse, what's your go-to order, your meal and your drink at the 19th hole? Uh, if the course, if the if the bar has yingling, I will get yingling. Uh, it's yep. Pottstown, PA. I grew up, or uh, I mean, I went to college 20 minutes from Pottstown. Yingling was our like religion. Like that. Yep. <laughs> so Yingling takes me back. Uh, if they've got a BLT, BLT, little extra mayo. That's my go-to. Okay, BLT and a beer. Love it. Bradford, thank you for hopping on the course of life. Look forward to connecting again and hit them straight out there as well, too. And mind your golf. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Course of Life podcast is brought to you by Zencaster. We've been using Zencaster here since almost the very beginning as how Alex and I record this podcast from hundreds of miles away. And it provides us with great quality audio that works every time. And it's something that makes Course of Life what it is and has kept us being able to make consistent episodes every week. And now it's super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. You log in using your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. You record studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. You feel a sense of zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. 
And have you ever wondered what you actually sound like? Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound buttery smooth. It automatically removes those ums and ahs in your recording. It removes those awkward pauses in conversation too. Set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with the click of a button. Head on over to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our promo code course of life to get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experiences we do for all of your podcasting and content needs. Again, that's Zencaster.com slash pricing and our promo code course of life. Zencaster, it's time to share your story. We're back. Great chat there with Bradford. Favorite golf course smell, Alex? Yeah, it's, it's that it's that it gets that mm. creepy, cringy exhaust. Because again, I got the weird thing. I'm part of that. What's the percentage of people that just love the smell of gas, like pumping gas at a gas tank? What do you think it is? Uh, 20, 30 percent, you think? I'm part well, of that I group. Think- I think you're a sociopath for that. I am. But. <laughs> yeah, so that's the offshoot that I mentioned there is the old school golf cart that's gas powered and that you give it that little gun at 730 in the morning when you got the first tee. That That's my golf smell to me. I don't, I don't know what, what yours is, but that's the one that always hits the hardest. The, the morning dew maybe uh, is the second place for me. The morning dew. Yeah. I mean, in terms of sound, there is something so oh, sound special yeah, what do you got? about the sound of a gas golf cart firing up. Mm, you know, yes. uh, either that or the distant lawnmowers or something on a course. Um, but for smell, for me, it's it's. I think it's more that it is that freshly mown grass smell. It oh. just you know it's pure to me. So reminds me of uh, rest in peace Chubbs from Happy Gilmore. Fresh cut mm. grass, birds chirping. There's, there's nothing better, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Love that. Awesome. All right, let's get to uh, our second guest on this week's podcast. And this is uh, someone who's working again in the LPGA, and um, she's over on the Let Tour in Europe, and she grew up playing golf in Slovenia. Yeah, of all places. Not not the most ideal climate. And I had to ask Anna Blotz, what was it like growing up learning to play the game of golf in a country like Slovenia? Yeah, it was um, very different from like what young kids experience here in the States, you know, with country clubs and all that stuff. We have very few golf courses uh, in the like entire country. I don't know the exact number, but I think it's less than 10, 18 less than 10. golf courses. What was the closest one for um, you? So like my a- closest one was the nine hole golf course. It was a 45 minute drive away. Um, and 45 minutes for nine holes, man. Yeah. All right, so you really had to work for it growing up. I mean, my parents played um, yeah, when okay. I was like, about a, they started about a time when I was born and and they just kind of like dragged me along, got me a set of golf clubs. And the funny part was, you know, like not a lot of people play golf in my country. So right. they bought me clubs when I was five and they were meant for somebody that's five feet tall. Mm. So you can imagine, like I have, I have this picture of like me standing with a nine iron that looks like the same proportion as my driver right now. Oh gosh, um, <laughs> that's great. But it was kids clubs technically, you know? But we just didn't have all those U.S. kids things back then and there. Mm, so uh, yeah. it was definitely different than um, most kids these days experience over here. So me and my co-host both grew up in cold weather climates, but not as cold as where you grew up. We were from the New England area, Massachusetts and New Hampshire. So I remember winter golf setups. I had a farm and a big open field like behind my backyard where I could just smack golf balls out in the distance. Did you have anything like that? Or was that your driving range well, basically? Like, my driving range wasn't like exactly great. You know, it resembled more like a golf track or like... Yeah. You know, like a field. <laughs> um, I still like, I have this picture of like the golf balls, which is like, there's like 10 different colors of golf balls in there, different shades of yellow and white. Um, some of them are cracked. Some of them, like most of them have no dimples. They're cracked, pretty much yeah. smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the winter, you know, it would get really cold. Like the wind chill would be like below 30. So I was wearing ski pants uh, to the golf course and, and like had my ski jacket on between golf shots. And then was just taking it off to like hit a shot. Love that. Didn't spend much time on the range because it wasn't very productive. So I would just go on the course and, you know, hack it around a little bit. So did you have any sort of a garage for like a net? 
wet or anything like I that? I actually had a putting mat um, in my garage that I, I spent hours on there and I became a really good putter because yeah, of this, I, I think. I got one of those too. Um, you know, just like, I think it was like 10 feet in length with a line, very basic, but you know, it had all those like pelled putting mirrors and all that like good stuff. So nice. I think it made my golf stroke really like consistent because I started doing that when I was so young. My last cold weather golf question is, I always wondered this, but I haven't asked a pro, is hitting a golf ball out of some light, fluffy snow, is that good bunker practice or no? I, I don't think so. I mean, yeah. snow I is light. I like it was. I just always wondered. It's fun, though. Like, yeah. you can still do it. <laughs> Love that. Um, so, I'm curious. The other uh, passion you had growing up was skiing. Was it specifically alpine, alpine skiing? Alpine skiing. Yeah. Are, um, I always ask about parallels with different sports. Any parallels at all between well, golf and alpine yeah, skiing? I mean, like, I developed a lot of lower body power throughout skiing. Okay. Um, I started going to the gym very young. You know, like in Eastern Europe, like our Slovenia, like yeah. we don't shy away from going to the gym. Nice. Um, so I was like always a really like powerful athlete. So, but just like being tough, you know, like I was racing in like negative temperatures and, you know, being out there like rain or shine, snow or shine, whatever you want to call it. And um, just makes you a little bit tougher, I think. Oh, yeah. So, you know, like grit. I don't I like think that. anything really phases me now. <laughs> mm. okay. I mean, obviously living in Orlando, it's nice to play in like, you know, yeah. temperatures you can shoot. But like, you know, if it's 35, I'm not going to freak out. Don't blame me for that. Um, so with all that as a context, how in the world did you get noticed by Duke to play college golf there? Explain the, the process of you maybe getting recruited and moving up. What, were there junior golf ranks in Slovenia at all? No, how did no. that work for you? Where well, we had like a little like junior league in Slovenia, but yeah. like I I was fortunate enough to get like really good pretty young and I was on the national team for like since I was like 13. So I played a lot of, you know, world championship, European team championships and I posted some good results out there. Okay. And so I didn't really know if I was going to want to do college golf or not. I kind of right. wanted to just turn pro because it was always my dream to like play professional. But then my parents convinced me it would be a good idea to get a degree. And around that same time, one of my friends from the national team, um, a guy that's, I think, eight years older than me, he just graduated from Duke and he played college golf there. Oh, so and a little he bit of a like, reference. Yeah, and he was like, you should check it out. I mean, like, I know that like people are recruiting you, but I had no idea about recruitment process whatsoever. Yeah. So he was like, okay, let me just like shoot a message to the head coach and see if he would be interested in you. Mm. So he made that connection. And next thing you know, like I'm doing my official visit winter of my senior year of high school and just committing and never visited any other colleges. So I just kind of landed there, but you know, by chance. Wow. One and done for it Duke. was That's honestly crazy. like a pretty good, uh, pretty good chance. So was there a little culture shock when you arrived on campus and North life in North Carolina? How, how did you sure. use that? Yeah. Um, I mean, you see like college atmosphere in, in the movies when you're growing up, yep. but yeah. it's nothing like it at Duke. No. Um, <laughs> just the culture, like, was very different. Like, what was the first thing that you had a really hard time adjusting to? Like, the food. yeah, I hated the food. <laughs> I gained like twenty pounds my freshman year. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's all right. We all call it the freshman fifteen here. Yeah, anyway, so that's I, normal. That's fine. I, I overkilled it. Uh, I was an overachiever there. <laughs> but yeah, it was like everything is so easily accessible. That's what I loved about America right away. You know, yeah. like you want something at 9 p.m., like you can probably get it. That's sure. not the case where I'm from. Yeah, well put. Um, so with Duke, obviously everyone talks about the Duke versus North Carolina rivalry. Is there any sort of rivalry in any sports like that back where you grew up in Slovenia? Oh, yeah, like soccer? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. A couple of local club teams oh, that just yeah, hit each yeah. other it's in death. Brutal. And they're probably right down the street, I imagine, or not too um, far away. Maybe like an hour away, yeah. but like there's like deep like grained hatred uh in people for like different like sports teams did so you do the experience of the basketball games not really you know like are. i was um i i would just go to like sporting events where like i had friends playing that sport i was rooming with a tennis player so i would go with to basically every tennis match um and just like i loved soccer so i would go to soccer <laughs> games and um football games um just i wasn't really that's okay you've got some hardware of your own at duke right yeah yeah what was that experience like winning, winning I mean, it was fun. Like, it's so long time ago now. Um, it's, it was not, a, it's not that long for our audience listening. She's just making it sound like it is. No, it's not. That was very recently. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was it was a cool experience. I just remember, you know, like we played at Blessings and Arkansas, and it's a really hilly course. Okay. And I just remember getting on the plane the next day. You know, you're playing, I don't know how many rounds in like a few days. And I just remember popping Tylenols and Advils because everything was hurting so bad. And you're yeah. just like done, it's over and you're happy. Um, 
but yeah, it was a pretty cool experience. Nice. Um, Anna Bail underscore Bailas B E L A C nine seven on Instagram. If you want to follow along, um, I was taking a look at your feed and noticed that you definitely picked up big fan, big time fandom for the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, so obviously, I'm guessing you have a lot of winter sports background from where you grew up. But tell me a little bit about what the Canes fandom is like and, and NHL hockey live and in person, which I, I, I do happen oh, to love. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. So, you know, like growing up, um, I watched Andrzej Kupitar, LA Kings captain, um, watched the Stanley Cup and he oh. became a national hero overnight. Okay. So I kind of started following hockey and then I moved to North Carolina and there's a hockey team like 20 minutes down the road. Yeah. So I started going to those games uh, and... The atmosphere is just so cool, you know, like 20,000 people packed in like one arena. Like I never experienced that growing up in like my small town. So um, I love winter sports. I love some like yeah. seeing some aggression Absolutely. <laughs> and some ice. So um, it's definitely so much fun. Like I have some great friends that I go to hockey games with whenever I can. And it's just a blast. What was the uh, crank the horn thing you were doing there before oh, yeah, one like of the their, games? Like it's that, it's or... their pregame like uh, ritual, I guess. Like somebody like yeah. uh, cranks the horn. I like, like that. And it was really cool. Like, I mean, that was like a little embarrassed, but you know, like at the same time, they it was picked cool. you. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Very Huge cool. Huge fan. <laughs> All right. We'll squeeze in a little bit of golf talk because you did lock up 2024 uh, LET status. What are you looking forward to the most this upcoming season? It's going to be definitely a little different. You know, I spent my last three years predominantly on LPGA, a um, little bit of time on Epson. And I think it's going to be just good to like change um, the scenery a little bit. You know, I, this is my fourth, fifth year as a pro. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm just like ready for something new and see, you know, if like that sparks up some good results this year. So should what be do, fun. What do you think about the idea of, of this kind of new venture where you're going to start traveling to a lot more parts of the world? You're obviously from overseas, so you're not quite as locked into U.S. golf um, and, and only playing there. But what's that experience going to be like for you? We've always talked about how the DP World Tour and the LAT are just, they go to such fascinating destinations. It's a very interesting opportunity to see the world while also working on for your game sure, as well. For sure, yeah. Too. But at the same time, you don't realize how little of the world you see when you travel for golf. The you courses, know, like, that is, for you guys. The course, the airport, <laughs> the hotel, and you hope it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you can, you can squeeze something in there. But, you know, like the travel is just so exhausting when you like travel for a day to just get there. Like you just want to like prepare the best you can for a tournament. And it's really not as much tourism as you think it would be like with traveling the world. Like I've been to so many places, but I really haven't seen that much. So uh, I hope I can you know, maybe stay an extra day here and there or between tournaments to like actually see some places this time. Now, is it true? Are you starting your season in Kenya yeah. shortly? Okay. So this is one where the tourism is just going to hit you right in the face. We've talked about this on our podcast before. There's like quite literally like giraffes and zebras, yeah. like roaming right on the property where the term is held from what I've seen. That's that yeah. this event, right? Yeah. yeah. The Kenya that Open? would be different. I've never experienced that. I heard yeah. it's like very interesting, but I also heard it's like a culture shock, obviously, you know, going to like a very, you know different country I'll like, say yeah <laughs> apparently like the ride from the airport to the resort is 45 kilometers which takes almost two hours yes. which doesn't yeah. check out on these roads over here so I'll be interested to see how that goes nice very cool again Anna Bellot's joining us here on the course of life I'm here at the PGA show I'm just curious what, what's your favorite part I know this is a pretty overwhelming and a lot intimidating for a lot of people here but what do you enjoy seeing the most from all the different brands here in the game um I'm like really into golf equipment. Like I'm a little bit of like a golf equipment junkie. Yeah. I love following the what's in the bag and like all the new launches. So I'm always excited to see like what's new with like golf shafts and like golf clubs. Um, nice. Stuff like that. So appreciate I'll that. I'll probably be there. Um, so we end with our food questions. I know you said that the food is a big adjustment here coming to the U.S. Tell me about the Slovenian cuisine and what people need to try if they ever go to Slovenia. What well, you miss. So Slovenia is a tiny country, but every region has its own very distinct food. I grew up on the coast, which is like a tiny piece of land bunched between Croatia and Italy. Okay. So the food growing up for me was very Mediterranean and Italian. I love pasta. Um, that's the good pasta over that, there. Though. Yeah, that's no, the good not, pasta, not the, pasta not over the fake here, pasta. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like every region has its own like... Um, typical food so if you really want to experience it you gotta just go everywhere and just eat everything <laughs> yeah sounds phenomenal love that Anna we end with our 19th hole question so last but not least when you get in the clubhouse after you play around and you get into the 19th hole what's your favorite meal and drink that you like to order uh 
whatever Flair Dining has really. Yep. I don't think I ever go to like a 19th hall. I just go home and cook myself lunch. What would you go home and, and make for yourself pasta. for lunch? Pasta. <laughs> just more pasta. Yeah. Love it. Heart loading. Red sauce, Alfredo. What's your preference? Pesto? Um, anything really. Like probably like tomatoes, like tomato sauce or like good bolognese. Love it. bolognese. It probably is nothing compared to the stuff you've had back home though, right? Well, I mean, I make it, so uh, <laughs> it gets close. Nice. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for hopping on. Again, yeah, no good problem. luck with everything this year in the LET. And uh, looking forward to seeing you thank play you. more. Thanks for having me. We're back. Great chat there with Otto. You know, wildlife on a golf course, talking about Africa there, giraffes. Lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. I mean, we don't get that here in the States. <laughs> it's pretty intense. I, I like the experience there in Kenya. Very interactive. You get the round of golf, and you also get that safari that people would pay thousands and thousands of dollars with on the side. So, I, honestly, that course should probably raise their greens fee, know, knowing what they have on property. That sounds like an awesome experience. I, I don't know if you've had anything like uh, what, what kind of your wildlife experience on the golf course is, but I, I do seem to remember that I one time was playing a course. I think I was playing like a charity tournament actually with my father and we were on a tee box and there were, I think it was either turkey or geese in front of the tee box. Oh boy. And we were all, you know, and everyone joked about, ah, ha, ha, what if we hit it? And I'm pretty sure that it was me who hit a really low stinger and just took out a bird. Oh my God, Mike. <laughs> Good Lord. Hey, we, we ate well that night. Let me tell you. Oh, wow. Jesus. <laughs> you rounded that one out nicely. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, my earliest memories are just kind of like deer at sunrise or sunset. Mm -hmm. I've missed a lot of ducks in the pond, hit many balls in the water. Um, I had a confrontation with a snake in Texas where there was like a snake, like in between me and my golf cart. And let's just say the five iron did what it had to. That that got a little dicey though. Uh, I don't want to recount that full story, but um, we did what we had to do to get to our golf cart. Let's just put it that way. I, I think the snake ended up living, but we put a little damage to it um, before it put inflicted some venom on us. Uh, that's my, that's as crazy as it gets, but I haven't really had the true like walk up and pet an animal moment on the golf course. You know, the one that goes viral this time every year, Mike, since speaking of the Florida swing Coming up yeah. is the alligator getting tapped on the back of its tail, hopping yep. into the pond. There, we'll, we'll, we'll for sure see that clip in the next week or two if we haven't already. Would would you would you do that if you saw an alligator? Would you just walk up behind it and just tap it? And and would you, would you be that calm, cool, and collected? You think? Well, would follow you be running along, in the opposite follow direction? along <laughs> on Instagram at Col Podcast this week, <laughs> and you're going to see if that happens to me here in Naples, Florida. And if the opportunity arises, well, we're just going to see what I do, aren't we? Well, maybe we'll see. It depends on what happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you uh, like that conversation with Anna, plus the conversation with uh, Bradford Wilson and everything else we do here on this podcast, make sure you punch that subscribe button. Let's us know you like what you're listening to and you want to hear more of it. Make sure you give us a rating that lets us know that you also like what you're listening to and want to hear more of it. Or maybe you don't like what you're listening to. That's fine. But you still want to hear more of it because it just triggers you in just the right way. It's the hate listen thing. The sports talk radio shows, they do it better than anyone else. I'm okay with a few hate listeners. That's fine. You're still here and you're still tuning in. So that's fine. I think I get more um, more positive feelings, more... Um, you like it. You uh, embrace the hate. I, yeah, I do. I'm, I'm you know, uh, sometimes you just like to watch the world burn. And, you like uh, a little vitriol. You like a little vitriol in your audience. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram, yeah. COL Podcast. He's Course of Life Alex. I'm MWRINC. Alex is on Twitter, also now known as X Course of Life One. I'm there at MWRINC, but the only time I open the app, Alex, is when you tag me in something, which is like, not very often. Uh, of course, we're on YouTube. You can check out all the videos we got going there for our time at the PGA show, plus everything else that we do. Uh, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, all that fun stuff, of course, wherever you're listening to us. Also on Instagram, always end with food is our food Instagram account where you can see pictures of food because, you know, if you're not looking at food, then you should be eating food. And if you Correct. can't eat food, then you should be looking at pictures of food. And speaking of food, let's hashtag always end with food. Yeah, that's how we wrap things here. 19th whole segment to wrap up. And it's a, a New England classic for me, Mike. No, I wasn't sure kind of how far this New England staple uh, 
ascended north. Uh, Dell's Lemonade, it, from what my knowledge is, is more of a southern Massachusetts, Rhode Island-based institution. It's a frozen lemonade drink franchise. It's very popular and a part of my childhood. Uh, did you ever come across that in your childhood, albeit in New Hampshire, Massachusetts, or anything like that? Uh, Were you familiar uh, with Dell's at all? I've, I've heard of Dell's. I don't know if I ever saw a Dell's, but I mean, frozen lemonade and at least frozen frozen ice was something I do remember having in my freezer, uh, that kind of Italian ice, frozen, you know, lemon ice or something. Those little like a hootsie cup, but with ice. Absolutely. There's those. So. And then there's the old term we would call it a slushy. If you remember a slushy from mm. your younger days, um, this is kind mm. of a nice variation on that. Dell's lemonade found in the Rhode Island area and a couple from Cranston, Rhode Island brought Dell's to me in central Texas of all places in Cedar park, just, just northwest to, you, of to nobody else. <laughs> but quite literally it felt that way. I got to see them on their first day being open, met Sean and the team there. And this frozen lemonade treat brought me right back to my childhood. I hadn't had one in over a decade. It's amazing. Mike. The, the rule is you just shake the cup. There's no straw here. There's no spoon. It's just a nice frozen lemonade treat. You let it wither away with the warmth and humidity of the day. And you drink it as a wonderful, tasty treat in the afternoon or for dessert. They've got lemonade, watermelon, peach, mango, blueberry there. And it brought me right back to my childhood. Anyone who's from Southern New England or has been there or has anyone con connected to Rhode Island will know Dell's for sure. Uh, so great to see it local to me now here in Central Texas. Little piece of my childhood brought to my new home. You know what you know what I think of with my childhood that I would love to see really come back? I think yeah, what's a what's a random one there. that could just if they could if a random childhood memory could park itself in Savannah, Georgia right now, what would you like to see open up? Uh TCBY. Oh yes. Yeah. Great Before ice cream the frozen yogurt clays was was even a thing, there was TCBY. <laughs> There was. I, I, honestly, I think I remember having the best, maybe soft serve ice cream of my life at TCBY. No, the best soft serve of my life was at uh, King Cone. It's still there in Merrimack, New Hampshire. There They're it still is. Churning right? out soft so, serve ice cream every year. <laughs> King Cone and TCBY. If you want a loyal customer, just go ahead and set up shop in Savannah, Georgia. Any any time yep. now, we're ready for you. <laughs> Love it. All right. Those are our dessert favorites. And that's always ended with food. Another great wrap on the Course of Life podcast. Thank you again for tuning in. If you made it this far, be sure to like and subscribe right now. And we'll see you next week.